This is Margaret Coleman Frankwitz with another episode of Diabetic Survival. So I want to wish everybody happy Thanksgiving, especially here in America, where we just celebrated Thanksgiving with our friends and family. For most of us, me and my cat were were having fun today. It was just me and my cat. So and that was fine. I was making little, you know, shadow figures on the wall and he was actually attacking it and we just had a blast all day today. So it was a good day. But um it gave me a little bit of time to actually relax, do a couple of paintings, do some drawings, and just do a little bit of diabetes research, which I love doing. I love actually learning stuff. So I, I have this question. I, I, I'm like, going, what is, I, I, I've never asked it before. So, you know, like every day is like a diabetic question. Remember how I told you, ask yourself a diabetic question every day. Learn something. Because the more you actually learn about your disorder, uh, the more it'll give you the tools you need to actually empower yourself to be the best you can be. Right? Makes sense. Anyway, so I was looking up diabetes insipidus because I was curious about it. I had never heard that doc, like a doctor use that term with me before. I don't even know what it is. I, I mean, I've heard it, but like, I'm like, I think I have the diabetes mellitus type. But then, you know, I don't really know the difference. I need to know both definitions is what I was thinking. So I went ahead and YouTubed it and I ended up hitting a brick wall the first time I looked at it because it was definitely a clinical designed for like, you know, doctors, not necessarily diabetic girls just inquiring or, you know, quizzing about it, you know, like just trying to get a little bit of information. So they started going into the whole pituitary gland and how it's like not working appropriately and stuff of that nature. But with the gist that I did get with it is because they never mentioned the pancreas during insipidus diabetes. And that is uh, something that can actually uh, be reversed. Because um, I guess the pituitary gland can start excreting whatever hormone that needs, maybe through drugs or something. I'm not quite sure. And uh, then you wouldn't actually have diabetes but I'm kind of questioning why they called it diabetes to begin with because with diabetes insipidus you do not have a high blood sugar count um it's just that that I guess some of the symptoms that you have are the same as like when you have pre-diabetes such as excessive thirst and dehydration you know you gotta watch out for that um so but besides that I don't know much about it except uh, the occurrence of you actually getting insipidus is pretty rare, actually, in the population. It's like 1 in 25,000. So regular diabetes is more like, you know, 1 in 5 or something. So, I mean, it, or 25, I think, in the population. So then I started, of course, asking more questions. And, of course, I'm doing the demographics for the U.S. just because... I, I just need a control group, so I, I just use America. So I'm not necessarily doing worldwide, although some of my stats are worldwide. And I do have a worldwide stat. Okay, so there's 330 million people in the United States, or maybe 333. Anyways, between 330 million and 333 million. Okay, there are a lot of people. Like the last time I checked the census records, it was 300,000 people. Now we have an additional 30 to 33,000. So that's pretty freaking incredible if you ask me. No wonder there seems to be so many people. And and like 80% of them are concentrated 
you cited the Mississippi too. I mean, I know just some useless but fun stats I thought I'd share. So, but I thought I'd ask how many people in the United States actually have diabetes. Well, it's about 38 million, and out of those 38 million, then I had to ask the question. I'm like, well, how many of these people don't know that they have diabetes? Because I remember there was a time, such as in, when I lived in Idaho, seven out of ten diabetics didn't even know they were diabetic, and that's a pretty scary statistic right there. So, um, of course, I had to ask, and so it's more like uh, now they did count out of the 35 million people that about one in five actually had no clue that they were diabetic. Okay. And something else I know, um, you know, like skinny people can actually be diabetic too. And I'm going to explain why. Okay. So it's not just obese. It's not just overweight, but it's normal people as well. And let me explain to you why that's the case. Basically, if you have a body mass index, and of course I'm actually looking at a female's point of view because I am female. So questions I'm going to look for are female-ish. So take that as you will. If you, you're a guy, you're going to have to do your own, like, you know, Google search here. Okay, I'm just going to give it to you what it is for a female, right? So if you're, you have a body mass indicator less than this, then you're good. But it's 22. So anything above 22 is at a risk for diabetes. And you're not going to believe this. If your body mass is over 22, which there's a good possibility everybody out there is... Um, you have an 80% increased risk for diabetes. You heard it right here from the diabetic girl. I've looked this stuff up. You can go ahead and look this stuff up too if you don't believe me. Go ahead. Look it up. I will sit here and wait. Okay, I'm done waiting. So then I had to ask Google, I'm like, well, what is the average weight of uh, an American female? How tall is she? What's her body mass indicator? Okay. So um, the typical female, uh, 20-year-old female, they say, is 170 pounds, which I'm like, I was shocked. I thought all 20-year-olds were like 110, 120 pounds, 140 maybe max. No, it's 170. Like most of you guys will not qualify to actually get into the Navy, okay? I'm just telling you right now, you need to be like 130-ish. It's horrible, okay? At least when I was a kid, okay? I, I didn't get in either, so, you know, it's all right. So anyways, um, yeah, I, was, I, I didn't get in just based off of weight. Okay, so it's 170 pounds for the typical 20-year-old. That's the normal female. So you guys out there who want that 110 girl, whatever, good freaking luck. You and like every other guy on your block, okay? So you need to get used to the fact that females are not supposed to look like wafers. It's just not going to happen. So anyways, um, the normal female has a body mass in index, that the 170-pound female will have a body mass indicator of 40. I know, right? Like, what? So she's already at an 80% increased risk of actually getting diabetes. So, you know, if you're 20-something, I'm telling you, it's, it sucks. I know. But um, drop your body mass weight down below the 22-ish range, like get to 20 or something, and you will actually cut your diabetes risk. I know, that's crazy, isn't it? It is. It really is. 
So that's the sad part. Now, I was also thinking about, like, I'm like, well, what about a worldwide statistic? What can I throw out there? Okay, so my fans who are actually outside the United States, outside the United States, I have a statistic for you, too. Did you know there's, like, uh, there are more diabetics in the world, like, worldwide, than there are, than, than the popul than there is the whole population in the United States? So it's, like, 440 million people worldwide are actually diabetic and the concentration okay here's some statistics is the concentration of the most diabetics are actually found in if you know you probably already know this already but it's china i think i've given that stat out before but it is china i actually double looked it just to make sure yep still china they're still leading the nations with uh the most diabetics um, but to be fair, they're probably leading the world with the most people on the planet, too. So, I mean, like right behind India, I'd assume that they have quite a few people as well. So, generally when you have more people, you're going to have more incidences of diabetics. Now, interestingly enough, jumping back into the United States, it's only about 10.5% of the entire population of the U.S., it actually suffers from diabetes. So I may have thrown numbers out there that might might have skewed the facts a little bit by saying there's like 40% of Americans actually have diabetes or prediabetes or whatever, blah. But actually with the uh, generation actually aging, I, I might be closer to the truth because of the fact uh, if, if you make it over the age of 65, you have a 40% chance, it doesn't matter who you are, of actually ending up with a superpower, Okay. So 40% chance already. So, and of course, if you're past the BMI mass indicators like that, your, your doctor's probably, if he hasn't checked your blood sugar already, he's probably planning on doing that for you. So he'll tell you what your A1C is. Okay, and I um, just wanted to say a special shout out to all Uber and Lyft drivers out there. Those who decided to go on the strike good for you it's about freaking time i actually saw it on youtube i think i mentioned it too but um you know uh, those drivers those poor drivers they're not making anything right now so my heart's out to them especially during this, this thanksgiving time of their strike uh i already noticed that it's been causing some waves a couple people at my own workplace uh another place that i actually work they were complaining because there wasn't enough Lyft and Uber drivers come pick them up. And uh, the ones that do are charging outrageous rates. And that's one, that's because there's a strike going on right now. And two, drivers are actually fed up with actually having to compensate passengers. So, um, interestingly enough, there's a site just for Uber and Lyft drivers. And of course, you know, sometimes you get these troll passengers who actually sneak into these sites so that they can actually start saying weird things such as I think it'd be a good idea for drivers to start giving passengers money and you know the most ridiculous things you could actually hear or that you know you need to carry their thousand pounds worth of groceries to their door with no tip and just you know count your blessings that you have a job and you know this is what I got to say for Uber and Lyft drivers out there I mean come on you guys need to find a different job get out of what you're in you're not making any money, and these troll passengers out there are probably getting paid by Uber right now to actually get that portion shut down because they don't want to have to hire any of those drivers as employees, and 
And I know that uh, the drivers that are out there anyways, they want to work as independent contractors. They don't want to be employees. So this might be going downhill pretty fast. So my heart's out to uh, all drivers and their families. I hope that you can actually find a job that's worthy of your time and attention and stop the insanity of putting the miles on your car and being treated like horse crap by Uber and Lyft. Okay. So I'm not saying it's the general passengers at all, but I, I do think that, uh, I know this sounds a little bit paranoid, but the more that I actually see it and what I've actually had when I was a driver, the more I realize that this might be true. But I think that Uber is actually setting drivers up for for failure. They're absolutely doing it and they're doing it on, and on intentions, with you know, with evil intentions. So... Um, again, drivers, if you can get out of that field as soon as possible, that's fine. And I hope that you've taken the next, you know, the next couple of days off during the strike to be with your families and try to reorganize what you're going to do. So um, go back into the work that you used to do is what I think. You know, at least until things have calmed down or rules have been changed or you know, a little bit of more respect goes to the drivers. Like, uh, you know, you being able to see how much um, you're getting per trip because those are your contracts people you should be able to decide what you accept and what you don't accept if uber doesn't like that they can go pick them up themselves which of course they charge them you know four or five times as much to do so they can continue to do that so um general population yeah they need to actually accept the fact that we are independent contractors we don't have to pick up anybody we don't have to work at all so we pick our own hours and stuff such so if Uber ever goes to employees, well, they can take those people that they were overpaying, you know, the ones that they were paying you like $40 to take you a trip, you know, maybe seven miles or whatnot, and they can go employ those people so that they can set them, you know, at $10 an hour like they do the rest of us. So um, that's, the, that's the reason why they're in kind of hot water right now with the government because, you know, Uber thinks that they're really slick because uh, at times they... Uh, don't pay as well. So um, unless you're working the prime times, if you're working the prime times, you're going to do pretty good. But they generally don't like to pay over ten dollars an hour. So I mean, you're kind of better off anywhere else because there are times when you're just going to be sitting there online waiting for a call and you're not going to get anything at all and you're not going to get any pay for that hour. If you're an employee, yeah. And then you might have an hour or two where you make like twenty dollars an hour, maybe thirty, sometimes sometimes thirty. If it's extremely busy and you're, you're extremely lucky enough to get a couple of short runs, yeah, you can make 30 bucks an hour, but it's rare. But boy, I'll tell you what, it certainly is nice when you get it. So anyways, there was somebody on uh, this, this uh, Uber site, and I mean, he was just trolling the drivers hardcore. He was like, yeah, I'm going to go out there, and despite this strike, I'm going to make all kinds of money tonight, because, and you guys just don't work, because, you know, I'm going to make all that money, and I'm here thinking, what a greedy sack of crap. He probably does Uber, like, maybe five hours a month, or something of that nature, and, yeah, he'll make his, you know, between 40 and $80, and he'll go home, thinking he's just socked a bunch of cash away, and stuff like that, and he's just like a laughing joke to the rest of Uber, because we know why we're striking. We're doing it. We know that the majority is not going to do it, but we also know that uh, Uber needs us because we're the dependable ones. We're the ones that actually 
at least one time at one time worked 40 hours plus a week sometimes we'd put in 12 hour days and we worked hard for uber you know we'd do anywhere between uh 15 to 25 trips just depending and then we'd go home for the day like we were the hard workers so this new breed of uber and what they want no that, that kind of like pales in comparison these are the moonlighters you know they're going to do whatever anyways not e- does not even appease me so for those of you striking around the world and this is around the world by the way little strike um uh, if you and if you want information on that, that'd be the rideshare professor professor that you'd actually check out on on YouTube. He's quite extreme, and I'm I'm certainly not that extreme, but um, of course Uber has no idea about that. They have no idea where I'm at or where I sit. They probably think I am. I think I made a comment to one time, which they they mainly ignore my comments. Sometimes they actually acknowledge me, but that was more in the beginning. Now yeah, they just kind of ignore me. But I had said something about upfront pricing. I don't feel too happy about it either. But I was curious about it. It was like, well, you know, I'm a contractor, so I mean, why wouldn't they get upfront pricing? I don't, inquiring minds want to know what we're getting paid before we do the work. I mean, we don't want to be in the dark. At least, you know, when you go to your nine to five job, you know how much you're making every hour, unless you're salaried. You know, sometimes salaried employees, or employers, I should say, you know, they may be there, you know, they, they may be salaried to where they get, you know, like 30000 40000 $60,000 a year. Yet they have, you know, like if there's extra work to do, they have to stay after and get it done because that's part of their job description. They don't get overtime. So that's not the case with Uber. Um, that is the case with salaried employees. So anyways, uh, I'm, I'm sure Uber will work out what they're going to do next. I know they're kind of freaking out, but you know what? Every game has an end. So anyways, um... Besides that, you're probably wondering, now, Now, hopefully you had a nice little turkey dinner, something really good. Um, I actually celebrated my Thanksgiving about a week ago. I went and bought a bird. I found it, like, dirt cheap. It was, like, super cheap. It was, like, buy $25 with a, with a, worth of groceries, and you can get a turkey for half the price. So I'm like, okay, that's not bad. I think my bird was uh, about... Bought a 13-pound bird, which is so it's mostly bone. You want to get something bigger than that if you get one. But um, I went ahead and cooked that early, and it was a great turkey. I had turkey this, turkey that. I had turkey for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was great. So it lasted me about a week. I know that sounds like a lot of turkey to eat in a week, but it was good. It was mainly bone anyway. So, I mean, after I took the bone out, it's more like, you know, a couple pounds, you know, four or five pounds. But yeah, it was really good. So I decided for Thanksgiving, and like I, I already celebrated um, Thanksgiving at work. We actually had a potluck, so everybody brought a little something. I had no idea what to bring because I had no food in my house except for green beans. I like live off of green beans. And I'm like, okay, I can't bring in green beans. That's a little bit embarrassing. Actually, I could have brought green beans in. And it would have been just fine. It's just that there was so much food there anyways that I would have been taking home leftovers. And I don't do leftovers. I actually went to the store, bought cookies, and which was kind of weird. I'm like, well, I don't need to eat any of them. I just want to make sure to bring something because um, I'm certainly not going to bring like what I have at home, which is nothing, to work. So, um, Or I thought it was inadequate, I should say. 
So, yeah, I, I brought some cookies. And, of course, there were so many desserts there and food and everything. It remained unopened. So I'm like, going, okay, well, I guess I, I'm going to have to open it myself and grab a cookie or two and actually eat it, even though I'm, like, totally against sugar. I don't eat sugar, but I was trying to let people know that, hey, you know, I brought it. It's good food. I That's the reason why I bought it is because they're pretty tasty. And they were tasty cookies. And I ate the heck out of them and I'm like okay you know what I don't know if you realize this but as a diabetic who's been strict against sugar and um, not eating a lot of carbs so yeah I did have two cookies I admit it I don't feel like I messed up either because if I wouldn't have eaten them nobody would have eaten them but to be fair they probably are going to stay there until the next day when people come in and they're probably going to get eaten up right away so you know not a problem but you know this is something I'm like so proud of myself this is why it's so cool to be a diabetic and actually be aware that you need to change your eating habits like in a hurry right is because I know that if I was for instance a teenager or in my 20s I would not have hesitated to eat that whole entire package of cookies like, I would have eaten the whole thing and enjoyed it. I, I mean, it would have taken me all day. I was like, a little bit here and there. But I would have eaten the whole thing, not even thought twice about the fact that I was consuming sugar, putting sugar in my body. Would not even think, not even the thought in my head. I would not have even... Okay, so you get the picture. And some of you are still the same way, too. I've seen how some people are. You know, it's like some people who, like at my workplace, like you can tell that they have issues like maybe they're the one in five diabetics that hasn't been diagnosed yet and they'll sit there and they will mow down on a whole package of cookies or something of that nature and you know i'm not going to judge because i'm not certainly not talking about who it is or anything of that nature that's none of my business but you know i I can't slap a cookie out of somebody else's hand that's just rude (laughs) i wish somebody would do it to me sometimes because i should have the two cookies i did but they're delicious um but these are what got us into trouble to begin with. And uh, now, you know, I, I obviously can't eat it. But I'm so proud of myself because, you know, like, like I have, like, some severe, like, some superpower. That's a superpower, people. If you can do that, if you can stop at, like, one or two cookies, maybe three, you're doing pretty freaking good. You know, give yourself a good pat on the back. Because that's something that's that's impossible to do. Or like, let's say you were the type of person that had two or three servings of something. And you cut it back to one serving. Or let's say that you now weigh out your food. So you know exactly how much food you're actually putting in your body. That is a superpower. That is like showing some amazing self-control. Or let's say you stopped sugar. Let's say you didn't go keto, but you stopped sugar and you reduced your carbs. You're amazing. You have no idea how hard that is, but you were able to manage that. So yeah, I know nobody else is watching you. Your doctor is certainly not watching you. Um, You're not even really watching yourself. I mean, you are, but you know, you just don't want those numbers to be too high next time you go to the doctors. But you know, you're doing really well. So if if you're doing those things and your A1C's down, that's a good job. Good for you. Now, there may come a time when you're actually watching your portion controls and stuff of that nature, and your numbers are still climbing. You're like, Doc, okay, now I know I have a problem because I'm paying attention to my portion controls. 
I'm taking the medication that you gave me. I'm checking my blood sugars, and this is not going down. There's there's something wrong. And yeah, that does happen. It certainly happens. I've talked to some very frustrated type 1 diabetics who, um, you know, they have to control their blood sugars through insulin, and they're still all over the place. So I know how screwed up our pancreases can actually be. So that even if we are on our best behavior, that it's just not going to register right. But there are times, and Dennis Pollock is a perfect example of how watching your, your A1C and watching the sugars that you take in your body and watching the types of food that you eat, going strict keto, how that actually works. Okay, so he's already experimented on himself. He's watched other people experiment on themselves. He has uh, multiple testimonials on, on how... Um, just going on keto has actually improved people's A1C and their blood sugars, etc. It is a lifestyle. It's not one of those diets where you can just start it and then get off of it or whatnot and decide never to do it again. Um, but, you know, there is hope because you can, like, once your blood sugars go back to normal, you can eat normal if you wanted to. I don't know why you'd want to, but you could. I mean, if you really wanted to or whatnot. Um, like, have, you know, like, get away with a couple cookies like what I did at you know Thanksgiving and stuff I did have a few carbs um but of course you know I was watching my portion control and made sure to take my medication because sometimes I do forget I'm I'm getting much better at that by the way drink plenty of water plenty of fluids and just constantly check myself you know like I'm not gonna say it's okay now to have carbs you know I'm gonna go back into my my carb you know my carb restrictions so it is possible to enjoy life and, and partake in life and then go right back to what you were doing when you have, um, you know, when you have your time again. So that way you don't have to miss out on parties. And some people, they just can't. And so it's probably best to avoid certain things like that. But other people, they can actually participate in stuff and just limit what they're eating and not make a big deal out of it. You don't have to make a big deal of it. You don't have to tell anybody that you're, that you're diabetic. You can just choose a couple of foods and um, like for instance I was going for the I did I unfortunately like 90% of it was like carbs so um, they didn't have turkey at potluck they did have meatballs though so I picked the meatballs and I picked out the um, the uh, the greens I think somebody had greens there which were pretty good you know bad and um, I think I did actually get something that was kind of carby because I wanted to try it. I didn't know what it was. It's like one of those surprise things that somebody cooked. And, um, of course, the cookies. So it wasn't a bad portion or anything. It was very filling, and I was very pleased with the results. Um, I'm not typically a ground beef eater just because I know ground beef is like old meat. And, uh, you know, it's just steak that, you know, as soon as the blood drains out of it and they turn it into hamburger, you know, they're reprocessing it or whatnot. It actually adds bacteria into your food because if you think about it, they're chopping it up and, you know, then they're producing it in a package and then they're selling it to you. And, you know, for premium, a premium price too. And a lot of times this chopped meat actually does, I mean, it's more susceptible to bacteria and such. So... That's why I try to stick to the whole meats and stuff, just because I'm trying to protect my health. It's not because I'm like, you know, elitist or something of that nature where I have to have a steak. 
No, it's, it's because I, I, I need it in its natural form. That's more important to me than actually coming down with some bacterial something that's going to upset my digestive system. So, But, you know, like if, if I'm at a potluck where I don't have a choice where they're serving meatballs and that's the only meat there, then of course I'm going to pick the meatballs and just, you know, pray to God they didn't put any sugar in it. So, um, obviously... Um, some, some things may be out of your control. Now, of course, I could say no to the, the soda pop that was out there. They didn't have any diet soda, which made no sense to me, um, why he put sugar soda out. But, you know, some people still drink that crap. I don't know what to say. All right. So, anyways, thank you so much for listening to me. That's about it. Hopefully that explains a little bit more about uh, diabetes mellitus, which is the general type 2 diabetes that 95% of the diabetics actually have. And diabetes insipidus, which is, like, if you want to go into all that doctoral stuff, you know, please do go to YouTube. I couldn't even tell you where to go because after about, you know, four or five minutes of it and not understanding where they said, I just had to turn it off and, and like, just start looking up stats. And so remember, please be kind to each other. Do a good deed. Do something nice out there. Um, Make somebody happy. Um, I've had people make me happy like every day since, I don't know, a couple of days ago and like something has been popping up that has just made me extremely happy um, despite, you know, what I'm going through and I think things are getting better all the time. So um, hopefully things are getting better for you too. Thanksgiving, so count your blessings. You know, we all have them. Um, Really odd thing that I did is I thanked God for all of the, this is a really hard one to do, because especially when you have a lot of bad stuff going on, but I thanked God for all the bad stuff that's going on, because those are the times when God says that you know, he knows that you can take this, and learn from this, and uh, become a stronger person, so it's kind of cool to be refined by fire, it really is, it's like, you know, thank you God. And in these times, uh, like, for instance, Job, when he was thanking God no matter what, um, it's times like these that, you know, you thank God for refining you in fire because you'd much rather be refined here on earth than in hell any day. So um, that just means I'm going to be closer to God one of these days. All right, people, remember, everybody can change, so be kind to each other. This has been Margaret Coleman Frankwitz, and I hope that you have a great day.